This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi everyone, it's Raja again from beautiful Melbourne, Australia and this is Dev Raga Personal Finance. First of all, Happy New Year. It's January 1st, 2019 when I'm recording this podcast. Uh, I hope everyone has had a great New Year's Eve celebrations and a fantastic Christmas period as well. And uh, here we are in 2019 after a very volatile latter half of 2018, particularly in the stock markets and the financial markets, largely stemming from what's happening in the North American politics. But there's a lot of changes which may come about depending on what's going to happen this year, particularly if there is another federal election um, in 2019. Um, And judging from what happened in Victoria, uh, where um, Premier Daniel Andrews sweepingly won the Labor state election, um, you know, we're in for a bit of a a, a ride, I think, in 2019. So with that said, um, I thought I'd talk a little bit about, in this episode 20, um, about some of the potential changes if Labor end up winning the federal election. Um, because those changes may directly impact you and your financial future. So, um, in this episode, we'll talk about three things. Um, well, two things, really. Um, the first thing is, you know, if Labor do win the election, they're proposing a change in negative gearing. Um, so, we'll talk a little bit about what that change actually means for those people listening who have investment properties. Um, and the second thing we'll talk about is, um, Labor's proposals for, uh, changes to dividend imputation credits. Um, so we'll talk about, you know, what are imputation credits, what are frank dividends, um, and how those changes may affect you moving forward, particularly if you're listening, um, in your, uh, in your retirement ages at the moment, but if you're in your thirties, I think really you've got very little to worry about with both of these topics, but I think it's important for you to know about them. So New Year's resolutions as well. Um, look, my my New Year's resolution is the same as always, and that is um, to always make sure that there is a financial plan. I tend to have a financial plan uh, every five years. I call it the five-year plan. It's sort of a mental plan. But I do have some sort of plan written down um, as to where I want to be in the next five years financially um, and also think about each aspects of my life, you know, um, personal, career, uh, relationships and of course if you've got kids, you've got to spend time with them as much as you possibly can. I think it's invaluable. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm sort of in the middle of my five-year plan 
Um, so and so far so good. So thinking about uh, uh, whether I've achieved the goals of 2018, which I have, thankfully. And uh, what are some of the goals that I want to achieve financially in 2019 and how am I going to do that? Um, that's something that I've been thinking about over the last three months. Um, that hasn't changed my um, savings habit. That hasn't changed my um, investing habit. So I'm still following the pay yourself first rule and I'm still taking 20% of my after tax income and putting it straight into investment accounts and then just forgetting about them. So um, still following the same principles. Um, you know, ideally, if I can save 30% of my after-tax income, I would. Um, some months I have, other months I haven't, but minimum is 20%. So I'm still following that rule. So without further ado, let's get started. So what is Labor proposing when it comes to negative gearing? Well, currently, if you have an investment property then irrespective of whether it's a brand new property that you've built or bought or whether the property is already established um, and it's several years old, you're allowed to depreciate it um, using a depreciation schedule. Um, I personally use BMT depreciation. And um, you can depreciate, uh, sorry, you can tax deduct uh, the expenses associated with that investment property. So some of the expenses might be council rates, water rates, electricity rates, um, rental management fees, um, and of course the mortgage interest rates as well. Um, and you can offset that against the income that you get from the rental, um, uh, rental property. So the income is primarily the rent. And um, if you make more rent than expenses, then you pay tax only on the profits. Uh, if you make less rent than expenses, then uh, you tax deduct the expenses from your taxable income um, of your total income. Okay, so that's how it normally works. Now, if you buy a brand new property or if you build a property, you'll notice that the depreciation on that is far greater because um, as we know that land value increases over time, but the property value actually decreases. So it's like buying a car, the um, value of a car decreases over time. So if you have something that's brand new, you're able to depreciate it much, much quicker and rapidly as opposed to something that's already, you know, 20 or 30 years old. Um, so, you know, that, that's how it works currently. Now, what Labor are proposing, which has, you know, raised um, the ear of a lot of Australians and also it, which has also um, raised um, a lot of uncertainty in the property market is that they're saying that moving forward, if you bought an established property, then you're not allowed to negatively gear. Uh, however, if you bought a, um, a brand new property or if you're building a brand new property as an investment, then yes, you're allowed to negatively gear. Now, some people who agree with that policy are saying that's a fantastic policy because that means that you know young people that are trying to get into inner city suburbs and established suburbs where there's not much free land, so they can't actually buy the land and build, um, and they don't have enough money to buy the property and demolish and then rebuild. It's those sort of people that are saying, well, that's actually good for us because potentially those property prices may come down uh, because in the past, there's a lot of baby boomers and, you know, cashed up investment uh, companies and, you know, cashed up investors who go to these established suburbs and really buy those big lands with old houses and just bank them and, and, and basically rent them out or just leave them be because they know that over time, 
that land in that particular suburb is going to increase significantly in value. So it's going to hopefully stop those people because those people, you know, will not invest in those established suburbs and buying established homes um, because, you know, what's the value in doing that? Because if it doesn't, you know, give you any uh, advantage of negative gearing, then you're purely speculating that that property will increase in capital um, and it may not happen. So there's a bit of a risk. So that's to try and put off investors. But the flip side of that is there's a lot of established investors that are saying, well, if that's the case, that's going to drop their property values in those areas, which will affect homeowners that are living in those properties. So these are people that actually own their own home. And those people are saying, well, that's going to affect us because over time we're going to lose value of our property. So, um, Look, I don't know how this is going to pan out, um, but essentially for the people that have existing properties that are negatively gearing, Labor are saying they will be grandfathered in, whether they're brand new, built or established properties. So for example, I have investment properties that I've bought, um, which are already established. I won't be affected. It's only the new ones that I'm going to buy that's going to be affected. So just to be clear, you don't have to panic if you have existing investments. You will not be affected. The Labor government has promised that these changes will not affect the people that have existing investment properties. So that's really important for you to be aware of. Now, personally, um, you know, I'm just curious um, to see that uh, how this is going to impact prices. I'm actually looking to buy, um, you know, uh, inner city, eastern suburbs in Melbourne uh, property um, just because I want to move closer to the city. Um, and it may actually be good for me because I can make my existing properties investments and also move into a, a brand new suburb that's of, of, of a better better quality home or better quality suburb. Um, so I'm sort of indifferent to it. Uh, I don't rely my entire investment and retirement strategy on properties, so I don't really mind. Uh, but of course, there are a lot of people who are saying that's going to just crash the property market. Now, the property market, as I've also discussed um, in previous podcasts, has really quietened down in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, hasn't really in Hobart. In Adelaide, it's been relatively stagnant. Perth, in some suburbs, has drastically reduced. Um, and Brisbane has been relatively uh, relatively stagnant. But the way I look at it is I'm looking at an investment over the next 30 to 35 years, which is my retirement plan. So... In the next 30 to 35 years, is the population of Australia going to increase? Yes. Um, does that mean that these people need to live somewhere? Yes, hopefully, because we're not going to have, hopefully, millions and millions of people homeless. That's not going to happen because we have a pretty good social safety net in Australia. Um, and if these people need homes, then, you know, not everyone is going to be living in government-subsidised housing. So these people have to rent or to buy homes. So I feel that all of this sort of talk about you know, property market crashing, etc. Look, in all honesty, despite the, you know, lowered prices, I've still made money on property. So I don't really mind. And if I'm thinking about the next 30 years, and if you're thinking about the next 30 years, I think this is just noise and I don't really care. But that's that's what the Labor, Labor Party is proposing. And I spoke to you um, in my previous podcasts about, you know, what are some of the potential effects of it? So I think it was episode 18 that I spoke to, but you just go back to my previous podcast and have a listen if you haven't yet. Um, now the second thing that can potentially affect a lot more people, particularly people like me who are going to be relying on my, you know, share market dividends in my retirement phase, um, is the changes to refunds of tax credits. 
Now, to understand that, I think it's important to understand, you know, what are dividends and uh, what are frank dividends um, and what are unfrank dividends, right? So Australia has a very unique tax system where essentially <clears throat> if a um, company pays tax and then it makes an after-tax profit and they distribute that profit to its shareholders, that's called a dividend, but we have a system where the tax office doesn't tax um, the profits on the uh, on the investor twice. So let me give you some examples to see uh, to, to to sort of less complicate this a little bit. Okay, so let's say that a company um, and let's say you own a company and you're the sole shareholder. Okay, so you're the only investor. You're the sole shareholder to make it easier. So there's only one share. So, and that company makes a profit of $100. And we know that company tax rates uh, after tax, uh, sorry, uh, the, the company tax rates in Australia are 30%. So, out of the $100, 30% of that will go to tax. So, the company will pay $30 in tax. And they've got $70 to distribute to its shareholders. And you're the shareholder. So, there's only one shareholder. So, they're going to distribute that $70 to you. Distribute it, it's just a fancy way of saying they're going to give you that $70, okay? And that's called a frank dividend. That is, they've paid their taxes, okay? Now, in other countries, what happens, right? In America, for example, if you earn X amount of dollars and now that you earned another $70 in dividend from this particular investment that you've done, and let's say your tax bracket is 25%, then you've got to pay 25% of tax on that $70. So let's say, you know, 25% of $70. Um, I'm really, really terrible at maths, so I'm going to have to use a calculator for that. Um, so mm -hmm. what is 0.25 times 70? So you're going to have to pay $17.50 in tax. Um, and basically, you know, that comes off the, um, that comes off the 70 bucks. Um, so my, you know, minus 70. So, which means you get to keep $52.50. Now, if you look at, um, the tax rate on that, that means that originally, um, you know, the company made a hundred dollars in profit. And they've paid $30 already, and you're receiving the 70 bucks, and now you're paying $17.50 on top of the $30 that the company has already paid. That's called double taxation. That's what happens in a lot of other countries, particularly in OECD countries, America included. Okay? So, which means out of the 100 bucks, you're left with $52.50. So, you can effectively say the government has taken, you know, 48%. Um, of your um, of your uh, uh, profits from the company, okay. So, in Australia, I think it was Paul Keating. I'm not really sure. I need to look up the um, the data on that. But um, many many years ago, the government, in my opinion, quite rightly said, "Well, that's unfair. You can't double tax the individual." Okay. So what happens in Australia is that the thirty dollars that the company has already paid in tax is returned to the investor um, as a tax credit. So let's say you've got a 25% tax rate, okay? So again, the company makes 100 bucks. 
they pay 30% tax, so they pay 30 bucks to the government, and then they distribute the same $70 as a franked dividend to you, right? Um, so now you've got 70 bucks, and let's say your tax rate is 25%, okay? So... <laughs> Your tax rate is 25%. Um, so what they're going to say is, if in the end, you're going to, you're going to pay taxes on the 70, 70 bucks, you pay the 25% tax on that, because you've already paid the $30 in taxes, if your overall tax is going to be less than 30 bucks, then you actually get a tax refund. If your overall taxes are going to be more than 30 bucks, then the ATO are going to say, well... You've already paid 30 bucks, so you only pay the difference. So if your overall tax, you know, becomes $50, you only pay $50 minus $30 tax that you've already paid, that the company has already paid for you on your behalf, right? Now, that's a very, very unique system. Now, the Labor government is saying that's okay, but in some people that don't pay any tax at all, then currently what happens is the ATO gives you a refund. So they give you that $30 refund back, okay? The $30 that the company has already paid. That's called a tax credit refund. Now, the Labor government are proposing that, that well, hang on, if you haven't paid any tax anyway, if you earn less than $18,000, then why should you get a tax refund? Um, so that's a bit odd, right? Now, I, I, I guess I guess the question is, who gets tax refunds? Well, the people that get tax refunds are the people that pay tax. So if you don't pay much tax, if you don't pay any tax, then why should you get the refunds? So the Labor government is saying, well, that's not fair, and that's costing the economy, you know, I think they're quoting $5 billion or whatever it is. Um, now, I don't know much about uh, uh, people that don't pay taxes. I pay a lot of taxes. So for me, what the Labor government is proposing is actually not going to be affecting me. So I think it's really important to understand what the proposals are and how it's going to affect you, okay? So a lot of people are worried that the Labor government's proposal may affect them even if they pay tax. Well, not really. If you pay tax more than the tax-free threshold, you will still be eligible for getting frank dividends, but you just won't get the refund, okay? So, so why is that relevant? Let me give you another example. So this is what currently happens for people that are retirement phase and having SMSFs, self-managed super funds, okay? So there are two things that you can do when you retire in SMSFs. One is you can put your super into pension phase, which is a retirement phase, which is any earnings or dividends in that phase is tax-free. And you can only do that at a certain age. I think the preservation age is 60 or 62. I can't remember. You need to look it up. So basically, once you read 60 or 62, you have the option of getting your super, whatever is in your super, let's say a million dollars, hopefully. Um, and you can say to the super, hey, I want to I put a million bucks into retirement phase, which means whatever earnings that you have in that retirement phase are tax exempt, right? But part of those earnings, you're going to be getting frank dividends as well. So what you can then do is say, well, hang on, I'm tax exempt, and I'm getting frank dividends, but I'm paying no taxes, so ATO, can I please have a refund? 
That's what currently happens. In other words, the ATO is giving you refunds for taxes that you're not paying anyway. Now, the government more recently, I think it's since 2016 or 2017, they've said, the federal government have said, well, you can make up to $1.6 million in your super as a retirement phase. Okay? If you have more than $1.6 million in super, then up then basically that money, the leftovers after $1.6 million, so if you had, you know, $2 million, then $400,000 has to be transferred back into what's called accumulation phase, which has a tax rate of about 15%. So you can imagine the people that have less than $1.6 million are going to switch it over to their retirement phase and then go back to the ATO and say, hey, um, can I please have my frank dividend tax credit, please? So that's what the Labor government is proposing to abolish. So it doesn't affect people that are getting frank dividends and are paying tax because you still get the tax credits. It's only if your taxation is less than what the frank dividend is uh, percentage-wise. So that's where um, it's going to potentially you know, affect you. So it doesn't really affect me at this stage. Maybe it will when I retire. I'm not sure. But I think those important changes... Um, are important for you to understand in the event that there is a 2019 federal election, okay? So hopefully this clarifies things. Um, uh, this is episode 20. Um, my name's Raja from Melbourne. Uh, it's just Dev Raga Personal Finance. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to do so on CastBox, or if you know me, just text me or Facebook me, uh, and I'm you know, keen to get those questions and answer as best as I possibly can. Until next time, make sure you enjoy your new year, set your new year financial goals and your resolutions, and, and make sure that you, um, uh, you know, uh, save 20% of your income after tax, pay yourself first, try and get rid of as much debt as possible or try and avoid getting into debt, and uh, think about tax efficiency. Uh, think about how, um, how your dividends will be affected if a new Labor government uh, comes into power. That's a big if, but, you know, who knows what happens in 2019. So thank you, everyone. Happy New Year again. Hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast and there's a few clarifications of the policy changes which may affect um, you personally. Um, and have a safe and wonderful New Year. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>